With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void or prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. It's a quick turnaround as the Miami Dolphins are preparing for a Thursday night showdown with the Cincinnati Bengals. Welcome in. Thank you, everyone, for letting us be part of your day. This is the Jake and Josh Show. It is Wednesday, so that means Merrick Brave is joining us, and we're going to get into a bunch, a bunch of stuff. Is Miami headed for a trap game? Who are some of the biggest X factors on the Bengals? And which wide receiver group does PFF view as the top in the league? But before I get into all that jazz... No one wants to listen to me talk about it alone. So Joshua Houts, Merrick Brave, fellas, how we doing today? Doing well. How you doing, Josh? I'm doing great. Glad we can come on here and talk about the Dolphins being undefeated, heading into a primetime Thursday night football game, and uh, have to talk about the Bengals wearing those beautiful white jerseys, because those things are sexy. Hey, but it looks like we're going all aqua for this contest. So aqua on aqua. No throwbacks. Should have been throwbacks. So maybe second best option was all aqua. I like it. I dig it. I liked them wearing the all whites because it'll what take Joe Burrow what three drives before that thing's all just covered in mud and you can't even tell it's all white. That, that's kind of the goal. But Ooh. but Merrick, we were here on uh, Monday. We did our recap show and basically, long story short, our Miami Dolphins are must watch TV. I cannot believe I'm saying that they're atop the ESPN power rankings. There's quickly becoming one of the most intriguing stories of the year. Man, tell me what it was like watching that game against the Buffalo Bills. So actually, I was putting on a, a wrestling event. Uh, I run wrestling shows in addition to mm-hmm. coaching wrestling. So we had an all-day event on Sunday. But I have Sunday ticket living here in Iowa. So I had the app loaded on my phone. And I just told my crew, I was like, y'all going to have to just do most of the work today because <laughs> I'm going to be sitting here. I was in my uh, throwback, all-black, Reggie Bush jersey, all-black okay. Dolphins hat. Show off. You know, like, you know. It's like the old Johnny Cash line, right? Where they asked him why he was the man in black. Why was he dressed in all black? It looked like he was going to a funeral. And he said, well, maybe I am. And that was it, right? <laughs> yes, like maybe, maybe, maybe the Dolphins were going to a funeral or maybe they were going to the Bills funeral as it turned out. So uh, it was awesome. It was fantastic. During during the uh, the last few seconds of the game, as the clock ticked down to zero and the Dolphins won, uh, it was right in the middle of a match where like nothing crazy was going on. And so it was relatively quiet. 
And I just screamed loudly, like as loud as I could. I'm sitting like off to the side of the ring and I'm just like, oh my God, yes, the Dolphins won. And everyone in the audience just turned to look at me and they were like, what the hell is going on here? Like I was the I only one. I wish they started one, cheering. I was the only one emotionally invested. And then the commentary team said over the live microphone, they're like, well, uh, I, I guess uh, we just got news that the Miami Dolphins beat the Buffalo Bills. And everyone here in Iowa was just like, <laughs> cool i guess <laughs> how are the bears doing like it's just but personally i was ecstatic and i'd like to mention i i called this last week that if the dolphins beat the bills they'd be number one in the power rankings because to be the man you got to beat the man and that's what the that's what the dolphins did i still couldn't even believe it when i saw it i thought they'd put the chiefs or something but the chiefs lost too so maybe the eagles yeah mm-hmm. you, you definitely called it though man you got to pat yourself on the back for that one because i mean you still kind of felt, even if they won this game, you know, there's still going to be those haters and it would be the same old Dolphins and they'd be ranked, you know, somewhere in that top five. But I'm surprised. I mean, as of right now, you know, again, we all came into this season hoping two and two would be the way we, you know, this first four games would play out. They're three and oh right now, man. And they got, are heading in to a pretty huge matchup. You know, before the season started, we would have looked at this Bengals as Joe Burrow versus Tua Tagovailoa game and we would have got excited. The Dolphins are four point underdogs on the road. The over-unders at 47. Um, what are your guys' thoughts on the, this game heading in this Thursday night matchup? Well, the Dolphins have actually been underdogs in two of the three games that they've played so far. They've only been mm-hmm. favored in one game. I believe that was against the Patriots week one. And they're 3-0. They won all games. So keep doubting the Dolphins. Keep, uh, you know, putting them as underdogs in these matchups. And they'll just keep proving people wrong. And hopefully that's the case on Thursday. You know, they've they've played really good teams. They beat Bill Belichick and the Patriots. They beat the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson in crazy comeback fashion. And then they beat the, you know, general consensus Super Bowl favorites, the Buffalo Bills. Um, so it hasn't been easy. I I'm a little nervous. I'm a little nervous for this game. 92 defensive snaps on Sunday in that heat. Lots of players on the injury report this week. Uh, road game on a Thursday night, a short week. That's a recipe for a loss. But, you know, if anybody, if any team can do it, if any team has the cojones to do it, as Tyreek Hill would say, it's the Miami Dolphins. I think the best thing about as this week's kind of picked up a little bit, you know, we're used to you get the full seven days of content between games, but the dialogue's quickly changed. I mean, last week, obviously, you scored 28 points in the fourth quarter. The conversation's going to be about the offense, about Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, deservingly so. But I feel like a lot of the dialogue about the Dolphins being atop these power rankings is the defense is playing well, too. I mean, 91 snaps on Sunday, it was a Gutsy, gutsy effort. I mean, you look at Josh Allen's stats, you think he had a great day, but I mean, the Dolphins kept a lot of points off the board, and I think that was kind of one of the things I've been excited to see develop is, hey, Melvin Ingram's looking like a great signing. We're seeing number 93, Trey Flowers, run around. Zach Sealer's getting uh, shout-outs. I mean, Javon Holland is living up to that hype of being one of the, the best sophomores in the league. So I think it's important to keep in mind that this defense, man, is a stacked unit as well. Yeah, absolutely. And you mentioned Javon Holland on the Finsider this week. Uh, after every game, I, I give my MVP, my my most valuable fin, and I gave it to Javon Holland this week. It was a tough call between him and Melvin Ingram. Ingram had a, a tremendous game as well. But uh, the reason why I gave Holland the nod over Ingram was the fact that Holland played 100% of the Crazy. defensive snaps, plus an additional four special team snaps as well. So to play a hundred percent of the defensive snaps, 
when those snaps amount to 92 uh in that heat in that weather when players are wilting on both sides of the ball on uh, for both teams uh that's a heroic performance and i'm just happy number eight's on our team yeah and shout out to that defensive line too i mean melvin ingram stepped up you guys mentioned trey flowers i mean christian wilkins i know everyone sees the um, stuff going around with him, right? I guess he must have grabbed Josh Allen in the bottom of that pile and really peed him off. But um, I mean, the defensive line played their ass off, and then you got to give your hat tip to Josh Boyer. I mean, you know, you see the experts and analysts talking about how he must have devised this game plan all offseason long. I mean, you can never in your wildest dreams expect to hold Josh Allen in that offense to 17 points when uh, you know they went out there and had 92 defensive snaps. So it was an all-around effort. Um, and they did just enough, but I, you have to wonder, you know, how that defense is going to look on a short week heading into Cincinnati. Well, I was just going to say the Bengals, you know, they started off slow. They had a couple uh, difficult games, went 0-2 through their first two games, um, and then they played the Jets. And I think that's what they like to call a get-right game. And they got right. They looked good against the Jets. Uh, Burrow still was under a lot of pressure. That offensive line, they tried to remake the offensive line this offseason, and that didn't go so well. Uh, they signed Lyle Collins. I know a lot of Dolphins fans wanted Lyle down in Guilty. South Florida. <laughs> same, same. Same, yep. Yep, Absolutely. I'll be there. We're uh, all idiots. But, but Lyle is injured, and it's not looking like he's going to play this Thursday night. So, again, with, with the shoddy offensive line trying to protect their all-star quarterback in Joe Burrow so that he can get to the ball, get the ball to his all-world receivers, T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd. Oh, plus they have a fantastic running back in Joe Mixon, too. This offense is a good offense if they can keep Joe Burrow clean. And you alluded to it earlier, Jake, that those white jerseys, uh, especially Burrow's white jersey, is going to be dirty, you know, a, a handful of snaps into this game. And I think that's our biggest advantage. And what we need to do is be able to manufacture pressure with our front four. Burrow is so cool, calm, and collected when you send the blitz at him. But if you have six DBs in coverage, you run a, a, a like a cover three against him or a man under type type defense, that's when defenses have the most success against the Bengals, but that's not the Dolphins style. The Dolphins blitz more than any defense in the league. So if they play right into Burrow's strengths, we could be looking at, you know, the first loss for the Dolphins this year. But if they're able to adapt uh, and, and change their stripes, pun intended, then uh, this defense could end up having success, uh, especially if they're able to get pressure with their front four. This could be Jalen Phillips's get-right game. We'll yes. see. I think if you look back to the beginning of the season, the, the greatest conversation about this game is, you know, LSU versus Alabama, you know, the receiving groups versus each other. Uh, Pro Football Focus released a pretty interesting uh, story today where they were just kind of going through what are the best receiver groups in the league. And, and Merrick, you went through all of Cincinnati's receivers there. You know, you got T. Higgins, you got Jamar Chase, and, and Tyler Boyd's a great number three. So I'm just curious about what you guys think because uh, the Dolphins, they have the 1A, 2A, 3A, uh, Tyree Kill counts as two i don't care what anyone says uh but through two uh through three weeks i should say Jalen waddle and tyree kill have 245 yards after the catch they're one and two in terms of yak per reception but 
guys, I'm interested. Who do you think is going to be that third guy? Are we going to start to see some Cedric Wilson? Is he going to start to get healthy? I mean, River Craycraft is someone who's caught touchdown passes in two straight games. Is Trent Sherfield's butt cheeks just going to catch everything that goes its way? Like, who's number three on this unit? According to Tyreek, next time the ball hits uh, Sherfield on the backside, he's got such strong cheeks he's just going to catch it he's just going to grip it with them cheeks and i think that still counts as a reception uh, according to the nfl rule book so uh, looking forward to that but i don't know man it almost it's almost starting to feel like that cedric wilson signing was something that they did before they had any indication that they were going to be able to trade for a cheetah and tyreek hill mm-hmm. and it feels like once they got tyreek hill it was almost like cedric wilson was a, a bit of an afterthought And that's exactly what's happened through the first three weeks. Um, Instead, we have two receiving touchdowns for River Craycraft, uh, one in each of the last two games, and he's looking like a reliable slot option to complement the outside skill set of Tyreek and Waddle. So I don't know. I like what I've seen from Craycraft so far, and I'm hoping to see more uh, once he finally uh, has run out of elevations from the practice squad and they give him his 53-man roster spot because he certainly earned it. Yeah, and I think that's where they're at with him now, back-to-back games with touchdowns. I hope Eric Ezukoma come kind of rises up. I know Wes mm-hmm. Welker alluded to him, you know, being a little bit behind, I guess, you know, things not being the same as what he was used to at Texas Tech. But we saw in the preseason, this guy was a playmaker, can play that slot position. You know, he's one of those bigger bodies that can go up and get the football. So I want to see Ezukoma eventually take on that role, but that's obviously probably not going to happen this week. So I think it will be another Craycraft game. Maybe we'll see Trent Sherfield and those butt cheeks out there. Um, I just want to talk about that Craycraft touchdown. I mean, the way to anticipate that thing, I mean, that thing was right on the money. It was a thing of beauty. He said it was a play drawn up for Waddle all week, two or threw a dart in there. Mm-hmm. I was just happy to be able to contribute. So I think it will be a river Craycraft, but hopefully sooner than later, Eric Ezukoma rises to that task. And two, you, you just hit the big point I wanted to mention. I think when you look at both Sherfield and Craycraft, in no way am I comparing them to Jalen Waddle and Tyree Kill, but you can do a lot of the same things based on their skill set. I mean, I joked last week that, yeah, of course, we all had, um you know, River Craycraft catching a touchdown in triple coverage on our bingo cards. That's all something we expected. But I think that was kind of obvious in the preseason. As you saw the second unit come in, you saw what you can do with Craycraft and what you can do at Sherfield. And you can trust them in those same situations you'll see from, you know, Jalen Waddle or Tyree Kill and get occasional uses, especially when you consider that there are going to be plays when opposing DBs are just, you know, out of energy. You do the Dolphins that- have the better trio? Sorry, sorry, Merrick, but I wanted to ask you guys, do the, do the Dolphins have the better trio? Because, I mean, when you look at that third receiver position, Tyler Boyd's probably a little bit more consistent. But before this, I was thinking, you know, the best duo, the best trio in football is the Dolphins receiver. But that might just be the homer in me. I guess it just depends on who you include as that third receiver. Because, I mean, Tyler Boyd's a good player. Uh, I almost want to see if maybe this game involves a little bit more Mike Kosicki. Week one. There it is. One one catch, one yard. Week two, he goes off for, well, I mean, four catches for 40-something yards and a touchdown. That's good. Uh, it's certainly better than week one. And then last week he's invisible again. So um, maybe this is another, maybe that's just what we're going to do with Gesicki all season long. One game on, one game off, one game on, one game off. We'll see. But uh, I really, really like this receiver tandem. Breaking news, shocking, I know. Uh, <laughs> Hill and Waddle, I, I actually roster both of them in my one fantasy league. So that's been fun. Um, so I'm hoping I'm, I'm going to start them both on Thursday night. I'm hoping they both go off and have monster games. Uh, I know Tyreek Hill's looking forward to it. Eli Apple on the, on the docket. And he said, what did he say? He said, 
I owe you, boy. I owe you, boy. Yeah, exactly. I love I man, how often or uh, when was the last time a Dolphins team could have that much confidence going into a matchup that they're going to call out their opponent beforehand, give them bulletin board material and say, I don't care. Give me your best shot anyways, because I'm better than you. That's awesome. That's I like so how, much fun. I like how he's wearing the Macho Man glasses, and he looked like he was cutting like a WWF promo like you would do. He was just sitting there, you know, I owe you, boy. And, I mean, that's kind of what you want from your alpha dog number one wide receiver. I think it's funny, though, at the end of the game, uh, you know, he didn't even really know who they were playing on <laughs> Thursday. <I> mean, <laughs> that's <laughs> funny, but, but I think that's also a great indication of uh, head coach Mike McDaniels, Yeah, uh, his way of – of keeping the team focused on the task at hand. They're not looking ahead at, at what they've got next. They're focusing on what they're doing in any given moment. So uh, again, quick turnaround to Cincinnati tomorrow night, um, or if you're listening to this Thursday morning tonight, that's good for us. We get more Dolphins football in our lives. And and no matter what happens, this first these first four games, this first quarter of the season has been everything we wanted it to be and more. One more question before we jump into a break. Uh, we share a lot of stats. We try to sound as smart as possible. I know it doesn't really work. Uh, <laughs> but simply can, can, like, I think the Dolphins match up really well with the Bengals. But simply put, can we be headed towards, like, just a, a good old-fashioned trap game? Like, you think about it. The Dolphins defense was on the field for 91 plays. The team, you know, uh, everyone in the South is dealing with Hurricane Ian. Said yep. Yep. The Dolphins had 14 players on the injury report as of Wednesday. And the Bengals, we mentioned it, are the white jerseys. To me, man, those four facts, that that kind of sounds like it's leading up to a trap game. You know, I almost wonder if um, the team will find motivation in being uh, somewhat displaced by the hurricane early. You've seen that in the past where teams have rallied around their community to go out and give a, a, a great performance for their fan base. So I almost wonder if that actually works in the Dolphins' favor but you're right. I think coming off of such an emotional win against Buffalo, playing so many snaps on defense, um, it it could be a difficult game, especially for the defense. But conversely, maybe you can look at the silver lining. That offense has fresh yep. legs. They were on the field for less than 40 snaps. I think it was 39 offensive snaps in that game uh, and and 20 minutes time of possession. Like that's that's a crazy low amount. And so maybe they'll go in and, you know, again, maybe week one, it was a defensive win. Week two, an offensive win. Week three, a defensive win. Week four, maybe this is the offense's turn. And and we'll just we'll just keep doing that all year long. That's analytics right there. I mean, whatever it takes to win, right? I don't care if they have to rotate. I mean, whatever it takes. Hopefully the offense can sustain some drives and keep that defense fresh. But I guess my definition of a trap game would be like if they were playing like, uh, you know, the aren't the Texans pretty awful this year? They're like the worst team in the league, maybe. The Jets, you know, one of those teams. I don't think they should be overlooking the, the reigning and defending AFC champions. You know, the team that was just in the Super Bowl with Joey Burrow. So um, I think they're going to go out there and hopefully, you know, with this short week, like you said, rally around the situation. And I think Mike McDaniel even said, you know, these guys can go out there, lay it all on the line. Line, and then they're going to have a long day's rest. You know, it's almost like a mini buy before they do yep. then take on the, the New York Jets, who I think they're getting their quarterback back this week. So it might not be Joe Flacco that we play in that game. I like it. Let's take a quick break. And on the other side, we'll get into some Bengals X Factors. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. 
And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We spend a lot of time talking about the Bengals' offense, so I think when we're talking X-Factors, it only makes sense to switch over and go on the defensive side of the ball. Trey Hendrickson got Defensive Player of the Week last week for dominating the Jets. Four tackles, four QB hits, two and a half sacks, two forced fumbles. But before that, five total tackles and no sacks in the previous two games. Merrick, you mentioned the get-right game we saw last week. And I'm just kind of curious your guys' thoughts on the Bengals' defense. I don't really see anything too, too scary in terms of a defense like the Bills, a defense like the Patriots even. Uh, But Hendrickson is someone capable of completely dominating a game. But on the flip side, too, Miami's offensive line has been looking pretty nice lately. Yeah, much improved offensive line, and that starts with Teron Armstead. So we're going to keep an eye on the injury report over the next couple days today and tomorrow uh, leading into the game. It seems like Teron Armstead getting veteran rest days throughout the practice week is going to be something that we're just going to have to deal with Mm -hmm. every week this year. And before the season started, he said his goal was, for the first time in his career, to play a full 17 game season so if that's his goal and all he's dealing with is is a bit of a toe injury which don't get me wrong i'm not trying to downplay it those can be extremely painful but if he's allowed to rest throughout the week and then just suit up for game day which we've seen has gone pretty well for him so far i think if if hendrickson and and forgive my ignorance i don't know if he rushes from the left or right side but if he's matching up with armstead i like our chances there Yeah, I saw the way that Cincinnati lined up Hendrickson in that game. I tried to watch a little bit of the Jets game. I mean, he was all over the place, so he could spell trouble, you know, if he's lined up against Greg Little for whatever reason. But I think the Dolphins' offensive line should be able to hold up. And then at that point, we just need to see Tua Tagovailoa go out there, right, and do his thing. I mean, um, everyone keeps talking about the Joe Burrow versus Tua Tagovailoa battle. The last time they played was in 2019 in that college football game, 46-41. Tua threw for 418 yards and four touchdowns. Um, give me your guys' thoughts heading into this. Can Tua Tagovailoa go out there? You know, bad back. It sounds like by most accounts. I mean, we should know within the next hour if uh, he's officially questionable or whatever for the game. But it sounds like Tua is going to go. And give me your thoughts on him going out there again, toe to toe with Joe Burrow after you know just taking out a Mac Jones, Lamar Jackson, and last week. I think again we're going to be dealing with this all year long. I think Mike McDaniel likes to play a lot of games with his injury report. Um, and. While that's probably good for the Miami Dolphins as a team because it allows them to be a little uh, surreptitious uh, in in their game planning and it doesn't allow the opposing defensive coordinator to to get all of his ducks in a row. I think that's bad for us as people who report on the team. And it's mm-hmm. also bad it's bad for us as a fan base because we have heart attacks every day when we see, oh my gosh, Tua didn't practice today. He's got a back injury. And Teron Armstead was sitting out because of a toe injury. And oh no, we're going to have to see Teddy Bridgewater play this game and, and Larnell Coleman line up. Uh, that would be the tackle. worst. It would, it would be the worst if we had to see Bridgewater. <laughs> it would be terrible. We, I, wow. Just, he did not look ready to play at all on Sunday. And I'm so happy that was only for a handful of snaps and that Tua was able to come back in the second half. But I think that's just what we're going to be dealing with. I think Mike McDaniel gets a little cagey with his injury reports. Um, But like you said, Josh, I think 
you know, most everyone on the injury report is going to play. We did see that Seathan Carter was ruled out uh, earlier today. Uh, you know, all due respect to Mr. Carter, but I don't think that that's too big of an issue for this Dolphins offense. Um, but, but yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I think, I really do think it just comes down to how emotional that game was Sunday and the fact that it's a quick turnaround on Thursday. If this game was on a Sunday, I feel a little bit more confident in Miami's chances. And not to say that I don't feel any confidence at all, but it does give me pause. We're talking all about Joe Burra and Tuo. How about Joe Mixon? Joe Mixon leads the league with 71 total touches. He gets all of Cincinnati's goal line work. So this is a guy who has not been flashy this year. Do not get me wrong. He's averaging 2.8 yards per carry. Samaji P. Ryan had less carries and more yards last week. So guys, I just want to put it on our radar that Joe Mixon, the amount of volume he gets, he's ready for a breakout game. And I think in a situation like this, that you see a team that's dealing with endurance, it's going to come down to tackling. So I'm curious your thoughts on Joe Mixon, the usage he gets and how the Dolphins with, you know, it seems like 15 guys in that front seven can try to contain someone like that. Yeah. And you touched on it, Jake. I think the key is, Miami needs to shore up their tackling. I thought their tackling was actually pretty atrocious against Buffalo. I mean, mm-hmm. Josh Allen, hard dude to bring down. But Devin Singletary was also, you know, juking and jiving all over that field. And and then even Zach Moss, who is kind of known as a plotter in a way, was able to break quite a few tackles. So I think these linebackers need to step up. And we can't let the first guy, you know, that gets an opportunity to tackle, we can't have him missing those tackles because – there was way too much of that against Buffalo. So against an offense as potent as the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, against a good running back like Joe Mixon, and then against those receivers, as soon as uh, you have an opportunity to bring the ball carrier down, that has to be a focus. Yeah, and that has to be something they had to be preaching since preseason. I mean, their tackling has been pretty bad, you know, all season long. Um, I guess one thing the Dolphins have going for them, as you mentioned earlier in the podcast, you know, their offensive line's banged up. So that should affect the run game, obviously. And the Dolphins have been much better, you know, that front seven with being able to stop the run. But Joe Mixon, that's a guy who's been my, you know, fantasy darling for years. And, of course, this is a year where he's getting all these touches, and I, I didn't draft him in any of my leagues. But one thing the Dolphins do have going for him, Eric Moody of ESPN tweeted out, the Cincinnati Bengals ranked 29 ninth in pass block win rate the Miami Dolphins ranked third in pass rush win rate so again this could be that Jalen Phillips get right game you know this could be one of those games where if Joe Burrow can't stand back there like the statue he is and make those plays the Dolphins defense should have a a good chance to win this one one of the big things we saw from Buffalo from the Buffalo game I should say is how important it is to win on those early downs I think Miami was the first team to put Buffalo in a third or third and ten or longer I think I heard that stat correctly yeah I heard that as well that's Sounds going to be good. so important. <laughs> That's going to be so important to hold, you know, the Joe Mix and make sure he only gets one or two yards a couple of times. Because when you get to third down, even if it's third and 10, you saw that Josh Allen can still get it done. And certainly Joe Burrow with the weapons of Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T. Higgins. When you start looking at that matchup, your two concerns come up to me. Xavier Howard, he's limited in practice on Wednesday. And two, it goes back to the endurance. Can Miami tackle? You look at someone like Jamar Chase, he had six receptions on 10 targets last week. Only 29 yards, but I think as Dolphin fans, we know it just takes one missed tackle for, you know, that to look very, very different. Yeah, and, and you know, we'll get more clarification on Howard's playing status later today. It's looking good. Uh, but God forbid anything happens to Howard right now. If he if he leaves this game with injury, I mean that's that could be the death blow 
to this Miami Dolphins defense because you know these these backup players you want to say these these guys that have been uh forced into uh these starting roles because of Byron Jones being on IR they've played admirably admirably over these first three games especially against some very potent offenses minus McCorkle Jones and the New England Patriots but uh we don't want to see what will happen if Cater Kohu has to go against Jamar Chase. And I think Cater Kohu has been playing a, a fantastic brand of ball, and hopefully he continues to do so. And who knows? I could be wrong. But if I were betting on who would win that matchup, my money goes on Jamar Chase all day. So hopefully Xavier Howard shadows Chase, and then we can use a combination of the other guys to to wrangle in Higgins and Boyd. Yeah, let, let us pray that Xavier Howard's good to go. But, you know, I think Bateman had his way a little bit with Xavier Howard. I think he had a much better game this week against Stefan Diggs. So, you know, even with him out there, this Jamar Chase versus Xavier Howard matchups, definitely going to be one of those, you know, to get your popcorn ready, just like the Eli Apple and Tyree Kill one. And I don't know if you guys know if there's any bad blood truly between them, like, you know, if they got into a fight or anything in the AFC championship game, but they were shadowing one another. Eli Apple covered him on 92% of the snaps. Tyreek Hill had six of eight catches for 72 yards and a touchdown in an AFC championship game. So two marquee matchups on both sides, you know, with Chase versus Howard and Tyreek Hill versus Eli Apple. Eli Apple called Tyreek Hill a baby after that game on Twitter. Ooh, okay. Eli Apple, I think from. he had a tackle before, ha- a pretty big tackle before halftime that prevented a big play we, from we, Hill. The picture for this should be a Tyreek Hill eating an apple, you know, and just biting into it with Eli Apple's face on the apple. There you go. Josh, you can say that, but you're the one who has to do it. So thanks. (laughs) Guilty. I I got it. (laughs) One last thing before we wrap up, guys. I'm really curious about this. Uh, Simply put, I think this is something we should just kind of ask every Wednesday is like uh, just a checkup. Chase Edmonds or Raheem Mostert? Who's it going to be? Mostert got more snaps for the second week in a row. Chase Edmonds scored two touchdowns. Who the hell do you pick? I'll tell you what. I think think they're both going to have good games. DJ Reader. Uh, <laughs> there we go. <laughs> DJ Reader, star nose tackle for the Cincinnati Bengals, was just placed on IR. So he's going to miss the next four weeks, starting with this Thursday uh, against the Dolphins. So let's screw it. Both of them, Chase Edmonds and Raheem Mostert, both going to have great days. I predict over 50 yards rushing for each, multiple catches for each, and each is going to score a touchdown. You eating the grapes while saying this whole so thing cocky. just makes it so much more fun to watch. <laughs> I know this is a podcast. I know I can see it, but man, that's, that's such a great visual. You got to get your midday snacks in. I, I do like that he just kind of said both of them like there was any other <laughs> answer. I mean, that was perfect. I think, you know, I think they like to use most or to, you know, attack the edges and try to see in these last few weeks, you know, they were going against some young corners. So you got that speed coming around the edge. Let's see what those corners are made of. But whichever guy I'd end up picking in fantasy will end up being the wrong one. That's for sure. You could not be uh, more right about that. Somehow I played Edmonds, and I wouldn't have been surprised at the 21 yards, but uh, the two touchdowns were very nice. We we do got to get Merrick's uh, opinion on the Tua Tungvaluwa injury, because isn't he our fake fake doctor? Doesn't I'm, he have I'm to give us doctor? Oh, yeah. yep, yep. We, didn't, we need to get your thoughts on that, because uh, the right. Dolphins, it's under uh, review. I guess it takes like two weeks or something. They could be in trouble, but I, I don't know. What were your thoughts, doctor? Is there a limit to how many investigations can be going on at one time with one franchise? <laughs> with a just... single team? Yeah, They're I'm trying just... to bury Ross. Right. So, okay. So <laughs> you call me the fake ass doctor, but I do have some experience here with concussions <laughs> and back spasms. Okay. So I've had numerous concussions uh, in my career as a professional wrestler. And I'm, I'm going to tell you 
as soon as I saw the replay where his head hit the ground and he immediately grabbed at his head and then he got up and he was shaking his head, like trying to clear the cobwebs. And then he got a little woozy and, and went to trip like without needing to be told anything. I went, Oh yep. Concussion. That is, you know, concussion one Oh one, those symptoms. Absolutely. He's going to be done for this game. Probably going to be done for Thursday as well. And like, I was just, you know, I was, my heart sank. I was, yeah. It was, I, I felt, I felt bad in that moment, but then the explanation comes out that it's a back injury and that there was back tight tightness and back spasms. And I thought to myself, well, I've experienced that as well. And I have, you know, been in the grocery store and had a back spasm and I've literally fallen to my knees in the middle of a grocery store, just grabbing, you know, a, a can of soup off the, off the shelf. So once I heard that explanation, I thought to myself, well, that actually also makes sense too. And the fact that it, it was not Miami Dolphins doctors that were clearing to a tongue of Iloa. It was an independent neurological specialist hired by the league to be on the sidelines. And that doctor checked Tua out and said he was good to go. So if, if the expert, if the real ass doctor and not the fake ass doctor <laughs> says that Tua doesn't have a concussion and that he's allowed to go back into the game, then why is everybody else so up in arms? If the doctor says he's good to go, then he's good to go. So I'm buying the back explanation. I do think he'll be a little sore heading into this one, but you know, that's why they have injections. Uh, that's why they have uh, massage therapists. That's why they have ice packs. That's why they have all that stuff. So if, if I can afford that on my salary, then these NFL teams that are making billions of dollars every year can afford even better treatment than that. So I think two is going to play and I think he'll play effectively. I sounds like, agree more. Sounds like a real doctor to me, doesn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> we're, we're quickly building towards that before we wrap up the timers, take it down on us. Can we just run through? I'd love to get your guys' predictions. Uh, I'll start just to get out of the way. For some reason, I don't think this is going to be a close game either way, whether the dolphins just don't have energy, any energy in the tank, get torched on a couple big plays and the holes too big. Or if that dolphins offense can put up 14 quick points, pin the ears back and get to Joe Burrow, make that Jersey messy. I could definitely see that happening. I do too much Dolphins content to pick against them. 27-14 Dolphins. Let's roll. Fantastic. So I'll go next. All week, when I would think about this matchup, I would feel a bit nervous because of, like I said, the emotional letdown from Sunday, the 92 defensive snaps, and I was leaning towards Bengals. But then I saw DJ Reader wasn't going to play. And then I saw Lyle Collins was was not participating in practice. And I thought... Those are two very important positions for the Cincinnati Bengals if they want to have success uh, in very specific areas. So I think McDaniel's going to get this run game right. I think we're going to rush for a good amount of yards on Thursday night. And I do think that between the combination of Melvin Ingram, Jalen Phillips, and Emmanuel Ogba, we're going to be able to get to Joe Burrow without having to send the cover zero blitz which means we can play, uh, you know, man under coverage against those good Bengals receivers, which Joe Burrow historically struggles with. That's what the Steelers did in week one all day long, and they were able to outlast the Bengals in overtime. So I'm predicting, I am predicting a close game. I'm predicting the Dolphins will win 23 to 20. 
yeah, I'm going to, I'm definitely not going to pick against the Dolphins. I mean, that's not what we do on here. I'm going 30 to 24. I think this is going to be like an AFC, you know, playoff type matchup. This is going to be Joe Burrow versus Tua Tagovailoa. what everybody, you know, was talking about their rookie years and how excited people have been. I'm excited to see what the Dolphins can do on a short week. Excited to see if they can win this game, guys. They will be 4-0, and I could not even imagine or remember, you know, the next time that happened, that last time that happened. You mentioned Emmanuel Ogba. I mean, we got to give him his flowers. He had a monster game last week. We want to see him, Melvin Ingram, Jalen Phillips, do what they did. I'm going 30-24 Dolphins, and we're 4-0, and then we get to sit back, relax, and just, you know, try to enjoy football for once on Sunday and just follow your fantasy teams. Nothing better than that sometimes. Wow. Guys, sounds like a great start of the weekend to me. If we go 4-0, if the Dolphins go 4-0. You're going to then... let your Dolphin out. Yeah, yeah. I'm just, my bottle nose is going to be just, <laughs> going to be. But when, you know, when we saw the schedule come out, we, everybody, everybody, myself included. Oh man, if we can just go 2-2, two and two, if we can just go 2-2, two and two, everything's going to be all right. If we go 4-0 on the 50th anniversary of the 1972 perfect season, by our Miami Dolphins before any of us were alive. That's what we call destiny, man. That's what we call magic. And I'm calling it. If we go 4-0, we're going 17-0. We're running through the playoffs. We're going to go undefeated. And we're going to be having a parade in South Florida. And I'll fly my hat down there for it. Talk about a monologue. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at mbrave 13 Merrick, thank you so much for joining us. For Finsider Radio, the Jake and Josh Show, we are so much looking forward to Thursday night. Can't wait to recap that game. But until then, I hope everyone has a wonderful day. I hope everyone stays safe with the crazy storm out there. And above all else, fins up. Fins up. Fins up. Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Cause we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Everybody, Miami Dolphins, Miami